0: So, um, Dominica, is it Escatel? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. Okay. You got it. <laughs> so, okay. basically, how it's going to work is at the very beginning, we I have my wine. Okay. So, we, if you have your wine, then you say, we'll talk about, like, this is the wine I'm drinking, this is the wine you're drinking. We always get to the wine before we get to the chisme. Okay. Um, we'll probably touch a little bit on what's happening right now. Right. Um, obviously, because where are you from? And I'm going to actually ask, you are you from Modesto? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm from Modesto. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, I live like five minutes outside of Modesto in a little town called Empire. Okay. Uh, it's one of those towns where you blink and uh, you're in Modesto.
0: <laughs> Is that considered Central Valley or Bay Area? C- Central Valley. Okay. Making sure. Yep. Okay.
1: All right. So let me go grab my wine. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay.
0: Hey, girl, I am good here. All right. So um, we, you know, we'll go over a bunch of questions and everything. And then um, if for some reason there's anything that you say that you're like, ooh, maybe I can edit that out. I try to edit as little as possible. Only if we're okay. only like long pauses or if we're saying, um, or, you know, using a filler word a lot, I try and condense right. that. But otherwise I try and like, just let it go. So,
1: okay, sounds good. I just,
0: uh, Dominica Escatel, I just need to have your permission to record this podcast and be able to broadcast it on the Wine and Cheese My podcast. Do you give me your permission?
1: 100%. All
0: right. So, Dominica, how are you today?
1: Doing fabulous.
0: Thank you. <laughs> it's so wonderful to see your face, even if it's on Zoom, because of everything that's going on right now.
1: I know. that's. I am absolutely loving technology right now and being able to still connect this way.
0: Isn't it the craziest thing, though? I mean, I almost feel like it's, and I probably already said this on another podcast, but I feel like it's God's and Mother uh-huh. Earth's way of just telling us, like, we're not listening. We're you know, destroying what they have provided and it's kind of their way of healing itself because, you know, if you're a Christian or if you know the Bible, you know that there was several reasons why God started all over, but it was really because man was destroying what he has created, right? In many different ways with the floods and Noah's Ark and everything. And I kind of feel like this is a different way of that, you know, not maybe not as, Because it is affecting the whole world, so I don't know. That's how I feel. But at least I get to do this. I get to see people with the podcast, which is huge for me because I need human connection. How has it been for you? Completely.
1: Oh, definitely. I didn't. I knew I was a people person, but I didn't realize I was that much of a people person where I needed connection until the quarantine happened. Right. And so I've been trying to get creative on how to. the friends and do virtual coffee dates, but I completely understand what you're saying. I really feel that our earth is resetting itself, and it's an opportunity to just be in the moment, be present with those that we love, and be able to form additional connections that otherwise, if we didn't slow down, we wouldn't have had that opportunity to do.
0: I know. It's so crazy. So, Well, before we get into the cheese myth. All right, we must get to the wine, of course. so today, yes. I am drinking a 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon. It's called the Dreaming Tree. Oh, and I got it at Trader Joe's now. I think I think they accidentally didn't charge me for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't but I was looking on because I like to tell people like the price point of things right. And I didn't see it on my receipt, but I spent so much on groceries so I wouldn't have to yeah. for a while that I didn't even notice until I looked on my receipt this morning to find to try and find the price. But it's definitely not over $10. I know that. So what are you drinking today?
1: Okay, well, I think we're going to be similar in that I cannot tell you how much it was <laughs> because it was a gift. But it's a Chardonnay. It's from 2017. And um, it's from... Missouri Winery in, here in California.
0: Missouri. So, Missouri, yeah. California? Or is the winery yeah, is called Missouri? Um,
1: so that's the name of the wine. And uh, it was the first time that I drank it. And let me tell you, it's so, so good.
0: Oh, okay. Well, salud. Let's take a drink of our wines.
1: Yes. Cheers.
0: Salud. Ooh, this is good. It's not too heavy. I like it because... We're kind of doing this before noon, but we're on quarantine, so who cares? <laughs> you know what? There's no rules right now. <laughs> There's no rules right
1: now. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, and I'm gonna go with that.
0: <laughs> that's that's right. That is true. And but I like this because it's really, you know, especially right now, being kind of early or hesitant of what you're, you know, what to drink. But this is really light. I really like this. It's not too right. heavy because sometimes you want like a heavier wine, especially nighttime. I feel like, but right now it's warm here. It's beautiful outside today. I already went for a walk, and this is like perfect. So it's I don't feel all heavy. Yeah, mine's nice and smooth.
1: I'm um, I'm a more fan of the sweet uh, sweet wines, and so the Chardonnay tends to be a little bit drier. But when I was given this one as a gift, I thought, okay, I'll try it. Oh, it's one of my favorites now. It's nice, smooth, and it's perfect for our nice, sunny weather as well. Um, So I'm enjoying it.
0: So you are in Central California. You're in the Modesto area. Yes. So that's where you grew up, correct? Yes. How would you describe growing up in that area? Because isn't that very like, I mean, when I think of that area, I've never really been to Modesto or in that area. I really think of like farm workers. I think of farming communities. Like how is that area and how is it growing up there?
1: Well, I have to agree with that perception completely. So, a lot of agriculture. Um, I have family that lives in Newman, California. It's about an hour from Modesto. And so growing up, I enjoyed going to Newman and seeing the big fields and enjoying the farm workers, picking the fruit that we eat on our table. There's definitely a lot of amazing things that happen in this community as a result of living in the area that we are, like we have a lot of dairies. I can go hit up a local dairy, get some milk from them, go to an egg farm, get eggs from there. It definitely still has the feel of a community where you can um, knock, knock on somebody's door and get a cup of sugar, you know, or, you know, call your comadre and have them come over, drink some cafecito, Um, It's a beautiful uh, community. We have our own hashtag.
0: Oh, what is that hashtag?
1: We do. Glorious Modesto.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, so there's this whole movement right now um, that is happening with some amazing people that I happen to know, and they started their own hashtag, and because this community has very creative people, um, I can think of two different companies that have produced video that just out there a love letter to Modesto. So that's always fun to see those type of things. Um, Our Modesto Police Department just put a uh, video community love letter out as well during this hard time. So that was fantastic to see local businesses saying, I love you, Modesto. It's just something so special about living out here.
0: Nice. So are you... um... How many, do you have any brothers and sisters? How were you guys, like, were you guys kind of always, like, I have, I think I've previously mentioned in another podcast that my grandpa, he actually used to supervise the, used to work and supervise the workers in, in the, in the North County, San Diego area for picking avocados and citrus and stuff like that. And I even remember that from when I was little. So I feel like it gives you a totally different perspective in regards to agriculture workers and the hard work that goes into that. Did you have, and I and then I used to like want to pick those things. Can I take stuff home? Like, right. <laughs> is, is that like, do you have brothers and sisters that you guys would kind of do that? Or did you have family that was into that? Or what, like kind of how was the family dynamic growing up? Okay. So yes,
1: definitely. So I have to say that my mom's side of the family um, my, her dad, my grandpa um, would migrate every season from Mexico. And he would come and work uh, predominant farms out here and actually in Newman and Patterson. Um, and so we would do watermelons, tomatoes, um, peaches, oranges like I can think of every single fruit and they would harvest it and my mom um, she migrated here when she was 16 and she started working in the fields and so I have very early memories of going to the farms that my grandpa and my uncle the only uncle that my mom has and you know, he'd invite us to go and pick the fruit that we want or the veggies. And so that was a really fond memories. And so I only have one sister. And so my family is a family of four: my mom, dad, myself, and my sister. And so every time we would go and visit family in that area, we definitely stop at my uncle's house to get that fruit and veggies. And so anytime anyone, you know, talks about farm workers, I have special memories and you know, it's something personal to me and something that I I have developed in my personal mission statement where I say that, you know, I try to live my life in the way to honor the struggle that my mom and her family faced by only being able to be a part of that field. You know, the opportunities that they had were minimal, but also when I think of the opportunity that they had to feed the families of this state it just blows my mind.
0: Wow that I mean yeah I because I feel very personal in connection with that because of my grandpa but to see your mom go through that that's I feel like even a whole nother level of that. So growing up how was your mom with you? Is she something because I mean I feel like that can make you as a, as a woman or, you know, as a person, but particularly a woman, I feel like that can really kind of toughen you up, but also really making sure that your kids have opportunity. So how is was, how was your mom able to, or how do you feel like your mom was able to kind of have that type of background, but then also be the mom that you needed her to be, or was she able to be the mom you needed her to be? So I have to say that she started
1: working in the cannery probably as young as maybe age twenty. And so when she retired she probably had about forty years in the industry. And so the only reason she retired was because she was losing her hearing because of all the machinery inside the cannery. And it was it was a blessing in the way because she was able to step back from all those years of, of manual labor and Standing on her feet and the stories that she would tell me that would happen in the cannery, it just made me have such a stronger drive, but also be aware that she would work hours in the evening to be able to be at home with us in the morning, and so she did that for so many years. So I didn't, I don't feel like I missed an opportunity to be with her because she always found a way to work um, to provide food for us, and shelter, and with my dad, he landed in a industry, in construction, you know, that is hard, hard, it's a hard labor, and also used his hands a lot, and so they both alternated work schedules, so one parent was always there, uh, but mainly it was, you know, my mom, she would be there in the morning, and she would take us to school, or she, our school's actually about three blocks away from where I live. And so I have memories of just walking there. So that was always fantastic. But really where it became a challenge was when I got a little bit older and was at that peak of going to college. Because being a first-generation college graduate, I had to find resources to help me. I didn't know how to navigate the system. And I had to explain why I wanted to go to school. And I knew that I... If I wanted to break that cycle of living paycheck to paycheck, um, I had to put my education first. But, however, I think for my mom especially, it was hard for her to understand, you know, because all she knew was, you know, kennery and field worker, and then she only has a second grade education herself.
0: Um. So you're talking about so growing up, and I and I want to go back to that in a moment. When you growing up, where did you feel like you fit in as far as school and friends? Is that something that was a lot of people were going through that you were able to share similar experiences, or did you feel left out? and how did that like kind of come into play just as growing up So
1: I always have to kind of compare it to Selena. You know that
0: specific
1: <laughs> scene where her dad says. <laughs> you know, I'm sure the quote was more eloquent, but that's in my brain, that's how I attributed it. Like it just, you know, it was hard to relate to uh, my community, you know, and then it was hard to relate to my roots. And so where do you attach yourself? Where do you start to grow that pride? And, uh, and so I would have friends, that would leave for the season and we would go back to Mexico once the farm worker season ended. And so that was hard to see. And then I felt like an outsider because my family didn't leave, you know, we lived here. I was born here, but I was familiar with that how it worked because I still had cousins that would do that. And so growing up it was really difficult because i remember in high school especially i would be told oh no you're you're too whitewashed or no you don't understand like our family's going to mexico for the winter you don't even know what that is like i was would always be made to feel less than which was really hard because that's that's my people you know yeah. that is who my foundation is built on and that's who I grew up seeing. But how do you relate when you, when in a sense they're right, because I didn't know what that was to leave for a season and go home. Um, and I'm using air quotes because I feel like ultimately where we live is where our family is. And so, um, so that was hard. And then our community, we have a migrant um, labor camp that was like behind my house. And so the school where I went to had a lot, a lot of its population was seasonal population where they would just leave and come back. And so that was really hard to feel like, like I was fit in.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can relate to that. In a little, like, slightly, just because where I grew up, it wasn't that my friends would leave for a season, but they would leave to go see their family in Mexico over the summers. And most of my family, like, my distant family is still in Mexico, but most of my family is here in California. And I always was like, well, I want to go see family in Mexico. Who do I have? You know, it was like, but my family's here. What am I going to do? So, you know, I but I feel the same, like my foundation, my roots of who I am and where I come from, come from Mexico. And so I, yeah, I would always feel this disconnect too, with some of my friends as much, you know, and I would get some friends and I've actually had it older than I did younger, where some of my friends would say, you're not a real Mexican. Uh, yes. And you're just like, well, I'm you know, I'm Chicana, I'm Latina, I'm Mexican American. Like what makes me any less than you just because of my span just because my Spanish isn't as good? So I right. I get that to, you know, a certain extent because my friends wouldn't leave for like a long period, but they would leave for summertime and come back with all these really cool stories of Mexico and I never had that. Right, I know. It's interesting when I get
1: asked, Oh, what part of Mexico are you from? You know that's always the question. And I said, "Oh well," I said, "I'm from here, but my family is from you know Samora." And my well, that's my mother. That's where she's from. And my dad's from San Luis Potosi. And so um, they're like, "Well, have you gone there?" And I have, like, I have trouble answering that question because no, I haven't. Because eventually, all their family is here in the United States. And so the farthest that I've been in Mexico is actually. Going to family vacations when we were younger and hitting Tijuana and Senada and we never drove dove in to Mexico and the the heart of it and being able to see where my parents were born because they no longer had family over there.
0: Yeah, that's so crazy. You never know what extended family you might have. Like if you do like a twenty three or me or something, who knows what you'll right. find. <laughs> And you
1: know, it's funny because I am sure that there is still family over there. I am absolutely certain because my grandma up, actually my grandpa up until he passed, he lived over there. And so I think it's just a matter of taking a trip down there and having, you know, my mom or my dad reconnect with people that they lost touch with.
0: Yeah. So So, that's so crazy. I love that though, because I can truly relate. And I'm sure there are a ton of people who can relate to that as well. Um, So growing up, what was your, like, what was your dream? Who did you think you wanted to be when you grew up as a little girl? What did you want to be when you were a little girl? Well,
1: you know, I feel like I wanted to be everything. You know, it was so hard for me to hone in on something that. I really loved because I was super creative. I've always been creative. I love painting. I love photography. Um, I love just being curious. And so I grew up wanting to be a pediatrician. So for the longest time, I wanted to deliver babies. I wanted to take care of kids. But unfortunately, as I grew older, I realized what that really meant, a large student loan. And right? right, yes. And that meant trying to figure out how to get myself to a UC and medical school. And ultimately, I got really discouraged, but I don't feel like it was a
0: dream that I let
1: go of, I feel like it was I was rerouted into something else. And so my was with my education that I would go to our local junior college here at Modesto Junior College and that I would take classes that would be a lot cheaper than starting to go to straight out a four year college. So I did that, and because I worked a full time job in order to pay for it, it took a little bit longer than normal. So it took about three years before I was able to transfer. And then I started to ask myself, you know, what is it do I like? Um, and my interest was no longer in the medical field. And so I really enjoyed a photography class. And San Jose State University had a great program. And so eventually that's where I ended up transferring. Um, my thought was to be in journalism, maybe graphic design, but I ended up majoring in just photography and art education. And so while I was in the Bay Area, I did a lot of art shows, and I loved it. I absolutely loved having a Friday night reveal of the art that I did, the photos that I took, and be able to capture some of those stories visually that I lived. And so I loved taking photos of, you know, my mom, her sisters, and my grandma. You know, friends, like in I call it street photography, just in the moment, living life, and so that's really what I became passionate about. And then I knew there wasn't a lot of Latinas in the industry, so that was fun to be able to say, "Hey, I'm a Latina photographer."
0: That is awesome. When you were doing that, what did your what did your family think of you doing that? And then were they able to kind of go to any of the shows to? to see the gravity of what you were doing, like, oh my gosh, wow, this is really cool. So
1: you know, I have very traditional parents. And so I had So that means no Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was very, very hard to one, go to school period, you know. And so being only two hours away, which is not that far, right? It would have been very easy for them to come, but my dad was very stubborn. He just didn't want to come and support. And he said, that's your thing. You know, he would continue just to continue to work and be at home. And unfortunately I didn't get that support from them, you know, because my mom was so, honoring my dad and what he wanted, you know, it wasn't like she was able to drive a car to go see me. And um, a lot of the times what would happen is that I would go and drive to Moresto from San Jose, go pick up my sister, have her be here, be in San Jose on the weekend with me. And then she would come and enjoy, you know, my art shows with me and we would spend time together. So that was really a sweet moment in time where I was able to just have her for the weekend and she would enjoy doing that with me.
0: How? Is, what was your sister's thoughts on what you were doing? I'm assuming she's younger than you?
1: She's younger. Yeah, she's five years younger. So I think the fact that she was able to stay with her older sister and then at the time I was living in a sorority. So can you imagine being in high school and being able to see that perspective of, you know, staying in your sister's dorm room at the sorority? Well, I guess at like a sorority house, they don't call it a dorm room. But um, we had about 50 young girls living in that house. So it was about a block long. It was a very big house. It had about 30 rooms. And so it really felt like the summer party every day.
0: Were you a Gamma? Two. Delta Gamma. Okay. And yeah. so how was that, being in being a sorority? I mean, I would imagine at that time, because that's a Latina sorority, correct? Or no, no Gamma, so actually, the other Gamma is, sorry. Yes. I don't want to get it confused. I'm going <laughs> to get hate friggin' responses no, no, from people.
1: I to, <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you, and that's, that's, that's one of the best examples that I can give you by that I had to navigate the school system. I didn't know there was any Latina sororities. Had I known, I bet I would have had more of a better college experience. So, I have to tell you that the only reason I joined a sorority was because their rent was cheaper.
0: Really? And,
1: yes. And so, I thought, okay, this would work. And then they had to cook. And so, I'm like, you know, I was just ordering fast food because I didn't even know what to cook. And my mom would get so frustrated with me trying, her, when she would try to teach me something in the kitchen. And so. <laughs>
0: So how was and- that navigating that? Cause I, like you said, if you would have known, and it's kind of this weird thing, right? Because if you, it's this thing where we want to be treated equally and we want to have this experience, but at the same time, we kind of, all of us kind of self-segregate right. into where we feel comfortable. So you didn't have that opportunity. You went into something that was kind of going to also put you in a, not in your comfort zone. How was that? Well, it was difficult because I quickly realized
1: that a lot of the women there have the opportunity to just enjoy college and have that college experience. So I, however, had to work basically Monday through Friday. I got a job really quickly at the student store. I would be the, um, I would stuff the potatoes. (laughs) That, That was my role in the deli. I was the potato girl. And so you would come to me, bring me your potato, and I would put your toffee. (laughs) And so I did that for a long time. And then on the weekends, I got a job being a cashier at the San Jose Stadium. And so I was working both jobs. And then because I was young and again didn't know how to navigate the system, I took on a full caseload of eighteen units.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so much. I <laughs> know.
1: And then you know, my thought my reasoning behind it was the quickly I can get through school, the less I have to pay. And so that was my mindset. But being a part of the sorority was hard because I realized that um we were not wanting to connect with me, they would leave me behind because I was studying or I had to go to a job, and so that was really hard. That was hard, and then the five Latinas that were in the sorority had financial aid, and so they had time to go and experience the frat parties you know, anything that was college life, and then I'd be the one stuck behind because again, I was either going to one of my jobs, or I was studying
0: for a test Wow, that's crazy, so with that, and then being you know a photography and art education major, that's all about perspective, right? Art is about perspective uh, photography is about perspective, and then you're in this sorority, which I'm sure how did that all of those kind of things, and I'm sure all of your other experiences um, how did that change your perspective or did it evolve your perspective in regards to the person that you are being a Latina like kind of all of those things combined how did that help you frame change evolve your perspective well I think the
1: experience definitely made me more resilient and it made me more aware of who was around me And that not everyone was experiencing life like I was. It gave me really an opportunity to be, in a sense, more empathetic. Because I wish that people around me would be more empathetic. Because ultimately, you know, my struggle was my struggle. But then nobody knew what I was going through and trying to even be there in the first place. And so it was hard. I remember one year, there was a gal in the sorority that invited everyone to her beach house, um, up in Monterey. And so I didn't even want to go into her house because it was too much for me. I, I it was hard to see such a beautiful home. And we had a bonfire at the private beach that she had. And it was, It was fun. I went with them. I got invited. And I was very thankful to be in the crowd in that moment. But then there was an opportunity to take a tour of her house. And I felt almost embarrassed to go in there because the house that I knew back home was, like, so much smaller than that house. Like, I couldn't even think of what her house looked like. And so it was It was hard. And that was a moment that I took with me, that, I, that I've had with me when it comes to being able to honor people's experience and love on them regardless of what they've lived. Because, you know, it's not her fault. You know, she was wanting to share, you know, her home and in this beautiful place that she has access to, while others could have been jealous or envious you know, I was grateful to be in that space and to get a preview of if I worked hard, you know, maybe I could have a life like that.
0: So you were saying how you were, um, nobody knew what your experience was. Is that something you always just kept to yourself and didn't ever share with anybody? Because I would imagine that would start to become lonely. How was that? Like, was that throughout your entire college experience? At what point did you finally... Or did you ever kind of start sharing that?
1: Well, I started sharing it, especially with the girls that I kind of fell into the group with at the sorority house who were the Latinas. But it was still difficult for them to understand where I was coming from because they had the assistance from the government and I didn't you know my even though my mom worked at the cannery at the time my dad just had a blue collar job just working at a local lumber yard cutting wood literally his job was to stand in front of wood and just cut it but the perspective of going through college and being able to step back and realize that Even if I do share it, some people are just not going to understand it and just to be okay with that. And so when I would say, you know, oh, no, I can't go there because I have to go to the second job Um, and that person would get upset or, you know, you just don't want to hang out with us is usually what I would hear. I'd have to learn. I learned fairly quickly to be okay with that because at the end of the day, you know it was me trying to get that degree and that was the goal and that was the purpose and then especially i held that very sacredly in a sense because i was the first one to achieve that that degree and that goal and so i it was very hard to keep my eye on the prize in a sense because i had all these emotions and distractions and you know, being 20, you know, you want to go and have fun, but you can't. And I, till this day, I asked myself, how was I so focused?
0: I was about to just ask you that because I know so many, I mean, when I I went to school later, then because we, we did some moving and everything. And I went to school in my, like in graduated college in my thirties. But I remember when I was 20, you know, I was a frigging party animal. And I can't even, I mean, maybe had I was, had I gone to school at that age, maybe I would have had that focus. I feel like I probably would have split it. I I don't know if I could have been as focused as you. I was that focused when I was in my 30s. right? But being 20, that is like so commendable to have that and to see that vision because you're just like, I need to make this happen. I have to have, you're not having any help. You're not even getting really any emotional support from your parents. This is like all on your own. I think that is so commendable. And I just need to make sure that I let you know that because I'm sure there are people who can relate to that. And I'm sure that there are people who can relate to like, holy crap, how the hell did she do that? Because I couldn't have done that. So I think to be able to acknowledge that is such a huge thing.
1: No, thank you. I often tell the story that there'd be times when i would only have a dollar in my pocket and i would go to the student store and i would buy a napoleon ice cream because it was only 99 cents and so if i was hungry that's what i would get and again just navigating i didn't know about any food pantries you know social media was really not existent then and so san jose was considered a community commuter school which i didn't know and so even that knowing that my school experience it was hard to connect with my classmates Um, through all that journey though there was one person that really um, just popped up through we had the same major and we became really really good friends till this day um, I still try to keep in touch with her but I owe her my college experience because she's another Latina and we would be going to the taqueria, and she'd be like, come on, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, but I knew that I wasn't going to buy anything because I didn't have the money. And she, she would say, she would notice, and she would say, come on, I got you. And so literally for three years, she basically blessed me by inviting me to different places, and she would pay and pick up the tab for me. And so honestly, like going through that and reflecting, she was one of the key people that I believe got me through school because I had I was always looking forward to being with her, and then I realized that she was blessing me abundantly by saying, I'll pick up the tap,
0: and that is. Let me just say that's such an important thing to share because sometimes we don't know in the fact that like when you're telling the story, I could see how emotional you're getting. Mm -hmm. But I also can see the appreciation in your face as well because you can tell that she obviously just, she did it in a way that wasn't going to make you feel bad. Like, oh, come on, let's go. Let's don't worry about, you know, instead of like, (sighs) you know how some people they're like, don't worry, I'll get it type of thing. But it was obviously because she knew she could and she wanted you to be, there with her in that moment and I think that's such a beautiful thing that we forget about right we forget to I think in this moment of what's happening we're we're remembering our blessings we're remembering the things that we have and we're remembering sharing I had an experience the other day because I have not been able to find toilet paper oh yeah I have only a couple of rolls left, but I'm walking and I see a couple coming from CVS as I'm walking to CVS. And I'm like, hey, do you have any toilet paper? Or did they have any toilet paper there? They're like, no, they're all out. But we went to this other place and they have toilet paper. And I was like, okay, awesome. And they pull out a roll of toilet because they were just selling single rolls. Here, do you want a roll? I'm like, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. And they're like, No, we were able to get, however, you know, the max, because it was between two people, we were able to get the maximum what we could get. Here, let us give this to you. And, oh, you know, we were able to get some paper towels. Here, I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. And they're like, no, 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 really. And it's not out of not being able to afford paper towels or toilet paper. It's just the idea of it being so, like, scarce to find right now. And these people told total strangers. Wow. I have no idea what their names are. I have no idea where they live. We were just passing by and I just asked them if they had, and they blessed me with it. And it was just like, and I can imagine like in a time of need when you're, when you feel so alone that, that makes you not feel alone, you know? Right. So, I I love that, that you're sharing power.
1: That. <laughs> yeah. I always think that there's power in kindness. And it's it's beautiful that you share that because it's a true testament to what is evolving through the experience that we're living through right now, I believe.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, just a reminder that kindness goes a long way and when you think that somebody doesn't need something, it's most likely they do. And so Going through the experience of having someone play an important part of my college experience and doing that for me as adulthood, I always tried to take that attitude of where is it that I could bless somebody. It's not always easy because I feel like we get lost in you know just daily life and stress or anything that just comes with living, right? Yeah, and. It's been beautiful to watch through Instagram or Facebook stories flood my feed of how people are just coming together. There was a story posted, I believe it was on Instagram, about someone just going to the park and finding a bag of lemons. So apparently somebody picked their lemon tree and just left a bag of lemons all throughout the park.
0: I love that. Yes, it's definitely giving us these opportunities to to bless one another and to remember what we have. So like I said, I'm so glad you shared that story. So time has come. You've graduated. You have a degree in photography and art education. Did you go directly into grad school or did you start working? Because you worked as a teacher for a little bit, right? What was that path to be able to kind of go through teaching and, and get your graduate degree?
1: So it was a very interesting path. <laughs> and I ended up actually not working in the field that I studied, which was really hard because it I feel like it was costly to me to even get that degree, right? So what had happened is that when I came back home, I was too overqualified to find a job at, you know, JC Penney or Picture People back then. And then I was too underqualified to work for a studio. And a lot of this photography studios in town, they had such a tight grip on the community that it was really hard to tap into. And so I got a job basically because my student loan was about to go into the repayment plan. And so I thought, oh, dear, I, I need to find something quickly because I don't how I'm going to pay Bill. And so I found a opportunity to work for a local nonprofit for kids in crisis. And so I ended up being there for five years. And in those five years, I got promoted fairly quickly. And I was encouraged to go back to school to take some educational classes to help me get a bump in pay because they needed different permits for the people that work there. And because I highly enjoyed that, and I I did that, I had some additional schooling, I ended up getting hired with our county. And with our county, I ended up being there for 10 years working in the Head Start program. And in there, during that time is where I got my master's in organizational leadership.
0: Wow. That's so, I mean, there's so many people I know that don't necessarily work in their degree like what they got a degree in, but it's so interesting to hear what that story is. So at what point did you, did your perspective kind of grow and change and again, evolve and you thought you needed to be focused on something bigger than yourself? Because obviously you were already focused on things that are bigger than yourself, working the things that you were, but at some point your vision had to kind of get way bigger and way wider to, to end up doing and launching all of these other things that you're doing. What do you feel like the, the switch was?
1: Well, the switch was definitely being a Mary Kay consultant.
0: Really? <laughs> yes,
1: out of all things. I always joke, I didn't think that I would grow up to be a Mary Kay consultant <laughs> out of all things, but it happens and I actually will be a consultant this year, eleven years. Oh wow! And so I've always, I've always loved doing it. And actually, through being a consultant with them, I paid for a good chunk of my student loans. I have cleared my student credit card debt. So all my credit cards that were associated with student loans and books and all that was paid for thanks to Mary Kay. And so when I started to get introduced to the life of an entrepreneur. I started to see that life can be so much bigger. And so I was seeing these women earn like six figures just by selling skincare and makeup. And so for a hot minute there, I really was doing a side hustle that was producing a lot of income where I got to a place where I actually developed a nest egg in my savings account, which is something that my parents never taught me. And so I began to think like there's my heartstrings got started to get pulled and thought there's something to this about being an entrepreneur and doing something that you love and getting paid for it. And it slowly started to develop to me being a part of this community. And I was trying to find a way to grow my network and be able to meet more women that I can bless with them feeling more confident and I knew that through this company, my confidence level was up the roof. And then the income that it gave me, you know, I was hooked. And so for oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a long time, I was working not only my full-time job, but I was doing this on the side. And mind you, the experience of going through college and having, a, you know, two jobs and going to school. I basically mimicked that in, a, in adulthood, in my professional career. And so to me, it really wasn't exhausting because I had built that foundation already. Plus, I loved it. And then I had some phenomenal mentors in the company that I thought, wow, I can really give this gift to other women. I wasn't sure if it was going to be something that would develop into a solid professional career, but I just kept doing it year after. Year and slowly, um, I started paying off different bills and building that nest egg, and loving the opportunity to just make others feel more confident, especially if they had a job interview. I highly enjoyed that, and so through that, I started to realize there was this whole plethora of amazing individuals in our community, and I started to among them and. And twenty sixteen, I may be wrong, I got recognized in our local newspaper in the Morasto B for being twenty under forty of upcoming local leaders. And so that really was a tipping point for me because I it's and it's not that I feel like as as a Latina it's hard to have that recognition because I still want to feel like I want to honor my humbleness and not brag about it. But eventually it makes me want to talk about it more because we should talk about it. And that really was the turning point I feel in my career where I said, wait a minute, like I'm getting invited to uh, being part of different boards. I'm getting invited to different galas. Like this was a whole new world for me that I didn't even know existed. And I love all the good that was happening, you know, in the middle of it. And so that was really the beginning of me trying to challenge myself to just go past my limit, my own limitations and my own fears and my own insecurities and to see how much more I can take the gift of just sharing my story and following those heartstrings that were calling me to do different things and so I started to follow that and really lead with the thought that I can bless others by one simply sharing my story and two doing something in service.
0: So is that what led you to found Chicana Inc and why don't you let people who are listening know what the focus of Chicana Inc is um, what, what, you know, what you're looking to do with that?
1: Yeah, so I started to develop my company probably around the same time that I got my first recognition. And I started to honor my roots and I really wanted it to do three things, to empower, educate, and equip my Latina community because I know how much it was a struggle for me to just get noticed to be amongst a community who was already tight-knit and that didn't look like me. And so I started to see the challenge as an opportunity to help other Latinas that possibly were going through the same things that I had been through in the past or that wanted to tap into things that I was doing but didn't know how to. Um, I remember going through our leadership Modesto cohort, which is a very coveted cohort here in our community through our local chamber of commerce. And I remember I, was, I had a friend come up to me and, and she said, Dominica, I saw the pictures that were posted all over social media with you and your cohort. And you literally are the only female of color and person of color in that group how did you get through that? And I want to do that, but I'm too nervous. Like, I'm not going to be good enough. Like, how did you end up there? And so I had to stop and take a breath because even though in the moment I, I realized that, but I guess it really didn't sink in until that person came up to me and pointed that out. And so the pictures that she was referring to was that our class was, the first class that raised over $60,000 for a local park to be uh, rejuvenated and really um, we added new equipment for the kids in the community. And so the press got wind of it and we got a lot of exposure. And so those pictures had been released the night before and I was at a local uh, mixer um, when I when she approached me and was asking about it. And I told her that for that very reason is why we need to be in the things that we think that where we don't belong for visibility.
0: We need to take and up space.
1: It, right. And it was a beautiful moment. I was never once made to feel less than. I was invited to a lot of seats at the table. You know, they the people in that cohort are some of the most beautiful souls that I absolutely love that I was a part of this group because they still invite me places, they still make me feel included. And I started to realize that if I started to push myself and put in put myself in places where I thought I wasn't gonna belong, then I'd be losing on these experiences that I feel like were gifts that need to be shared. And so that's how Chicana Inc. really evolved when I started to realize like this message really needs to be spread, and if I push myself in a in a good way, and that I could give that gift to others where they can realize like, well, she's doing it, then I can
0: too. That's awesome. Well, all of this has led to a recent speaking gig at Harvard University, which I think is right. so awesome. How did that come? Like, how did that come about? I want to hear. How did that come about? How did that make you feel? Like that is like a huge thing. So first, congratulations on that. Now, thank still, you. Give me the cheese man on how <laughs> all that happened.
1: <laughs> I will tell you. And so, it's been through building this community. It it really has. I have grown a social media presence and a presence in my community for just being authentic and staying true to the mission of, of just telling your story and telling our stories inclusively and really not excluding anyone as well. And just sharing that message that we can honor our roots and really thrive When we do that, and it's something that I feel is being lost in our society by not speaking about our parents and speaking about the farm workers that are in our life or the, you know, just the heritage that we have, especially with the roots of Mexico or any other country and just really embracing who we are through what our ancestors have been through. And so I really hone in on the skill of trying to put that message through Instagram. And so um, I believe because of that, uh, the, I was approached with opportunity to speak at Harvard at a Latina conference. And So,
0: the so who conference, re- do you mind if I ask like who reached out to you in regards to this?
1: Okay. So the conference is the lead conference. And so it's a conference that was developed from the Latino students that attend Harvard. There's such a small population out there of Latino students that attend this institution that they decided to create a conference where they would invite other Latina women to come from different colleges and including the ones that existed um, currently exist at Harvard. And they put a conference together. Um, The conference... uh, this past conference that happened, there was 300 Latinas in attendance from a couple of different states. And it was beautiful to watch that they made themselves available and they found opportunities to be there. And so the team from the lead conference found me through Instagram and we engaged in a conversation. I got curious to see what was it if the message aligned with what I was trying to put out here in California and definitely it did. And, you know, I joke when I'm getting asked, well, how was Harvard and how did that happen? And I say, well, I'm not Renee Brown or Oprah. Like I had to dish out money to make myself um, be present there. I had to pay for the airplane ticket. I had to pay for the hotel, my food and it was a, it's a student-led conference, and so, you know, they weren't able to have that available for their speakers, and so what was more important is that, it, you know, that those funds go to the students, and so I had no problem, you know, flying myself out there, and it was important to me to do it as well, because I feel like, through our mission, my personal mission statement to just empower, educate, and equip Latinas that it has no boundaries, that we could really put our message out there and we can make ourselves available in order to share stories and have them walk away with knowing that there's a tribe of other women that are there for them, even though they don't see them or they haven't met them yet, but we are here, we are present. And we're here to elevate them and help them. And really the message throughout the conference was we're here. We're waiting for you.
0: Call us,
1: you know, Instagram us, um, Facebook us. There's a million ways to get a hold of us.
0: Just to connect, truly connect and create a, a bigger, better, larger way for us to all be represented. Right. That's, I love hearing that. That's so awesome. So what are you Striving for next, what's the next thing that you're, like, looking towards?
1: Well, I was really excited to be picked to be a TEDx speaker at San Jose State University.
0: Yay, I'm quick. I got a yeah. clap. Yay, that's so awesome. Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> that really, I got so emotional when that happened. Because you know, that, that was modern, that that is where I live, such a time period of my life that was really hard and I had to really work hard to get through that time period and the things that I have had lived, you know, when I attended school and knowing that there was a point in my life where I was, you know, eating a Napoleon ice cream from the student store because I couldn't afford money and then here I am about to be a speaker, you know.
0: Girl, I have chills. I have chills right now. This is so freaking awesome. I I literally have chills.
1: I know. So I'm very excited about that. Um, obviously, with the things that are happening right now, it got postponed. But my spot is still there when they, the organizers are able to, you know, put it, release it to the public again. And I just thought it's going to be a good opportunity to make my message stronger. And I'm going to be speaking about the Latina revolution.
0: Oh. Yay. Okay. I can't wait for that to happen because I need to yeah. know, <laughs> I need to, I need to watch everything. Okay. So there's a few questions that I ask everybody. And then we go to like the fun questions. What do you wish you would have known when you started out? Okay. Can
1: you say that one more time?
0: What do you wish you would have known when you started out? Whether it's starting out in your career, oh whether goodness. it's starting in school, like, or whether it's starting out, launching Chicana Inc, kind of however you want to take that, what do you wish you would have known?
1: I wish I would have known to be present in the moment, which is ironic because I believe that what is, because of what's going on in our situation, I feel like that message is being given to humanity. Right. And it's, Right. It's lately it's been at the forefront lately because of our quarantine and the lack of being able to just connect, you know, with those that are important to us. And so but I realized that early on and I tried to put that at the forefront in um, my professional career when I started to reflect back on everything that I've gone through is that. I didn't get to enjoy my college experience because I was busy working. You know, I didn't get to enjoy uh, my professional career because I was trying to just make myself present. I would take on a project that they would ask me to. I would pitch ideas. Um, For example, I led our Children's Festival in our county for three years, and so having all these extra projects just so I can show up in the field that I was in, um, didn't give me the opportunity to enjoy it. Right. And so really, I wish that somebody would have told me as you progress in life, make sure that you're just present in the moment and that you're enjoying it.
0: Nice. What are you curious about right now? What I am most curious right now
1: is, and again, I think this is really aligned because of what's going on in the world right now, is self-care. And I think especially um, in the Latino community, that is something that is very important with, you know, diabetes being so predominant. And it's really made me evaluate and look into what it, what are natural things that I can do to keep myself healthy and keep those that I love healthy as well.
0: And what, and you can take this either personally or professionally. What is something that you've okay. failed at that you have learned from?
1: Oh, that's a very, very good question because I feel like I've failed a lot of stuff. Um, But if I have to pick one thing that I failed at, I'd have to say that um, it took me a long time to not find my voice. And so I feel like for a very long time, I would put that secondary, I wouldn't speak up, and I feel like I wasn't good at really showing up as myself as myself, or honoring myself and what I felt because of the way that I grew up and how, you know, having that traditional parent dynamic of, you know, a dad who was very, like, just dominant in the household. And, you know, you don't speak until you're spoken to that I wish I would have honored who I was and loved who I was a lot sooner than being in my adulthood.
0: Whew, okay, now if people want to get in touch with you, <laughs> how can they do that? How website, social, how can they get in touch with you if they want to do that?
1: Okay, definitely. So my handles are pretty easy. I'm really easy to find, so Chicana Inc. on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then for me directly, it's just Domenica Escatel, and if you Google me, you will find me. <laughs> yes.
0: All right, you can shake it off and ask the fun questions. Yes. What is your favorite yes. word? <laughs>
1: My favorite word is poderosa.
0: And tell people what poderosa <laughs> means, and why is that your favorite powerful, word?
1: Powerful, powerful. Yeah. I actually developed a, I did a photography project called Mujer Rosa because I wanted to give the opportunity to other women to just have this powerful photo that they could hold on to and look at when life wasn't good and remind themselves that they are powerful, that they have that inside of them. And so that is my favorite word.
0: And I love to see that you're bringing back the photography into that. Yes. Love that. What is a dream that scares you?
1: Oh, a dream that scares me. Honestly, this is going to be completely hilarious, even though it is really, frightening. <laughs> I mean, is traveling internationally. I have yet to do that, but I will do it. I know that I will. Um, and then it's not because of what's going on right now. It's just the thought of being in that airplane for a couple of hours.
0: Now I don't think that's a, I don't think that is silly. I think that's natural because that is those are long things. Yeah. Okay. If I'm going to Modesto and I have to or your hometown okay. and I have to go to one place, where am I going and what am I ordering? All right.
1: East Gate China House has the most incredible Asian infused menu ever i love their um orange chicken and rice it is the simplest thing on their menu but is the most yummy thing it is my happy place i love um ordering it on a friday night just taking it home um so that is definitely a must
0: and finally finalmente porque we have to right
1: yes. Wine,
0: red or white. And do you have a specific type that you like?
1: You know, actually I have to say rosé.
0: Okay. I forgot. usually I do add rosé in there and I totally (laughs) forgot. Do you have a specific type of rosé? Right. I,
1: you know, no, I love all of it. I actually love all wine, red wine, white wine. Um, but, again, it kind of goes back to where we started, the Chardonnay. You know, it's a white wine. Yeah. This particular one is super smooth and, and semi, a little sweet. At least I feel like it is, but <laughs> um, I'm not a wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <Love it. laughs> Dominica, I appreciate you coming on today. I know that it's we're in just really weird times, so it was so lovely to be able to see you yes. kind of, face-to-face, even if it's through Zoom, and just be able to hear your story and be able to share your story. It's so appreciated. I think so many people are able to relate to what you said. And the information that Dominica had relayed, we'll we'll also make sure to include in the show notes. So until next time, mi gente, saludos!